Hey, hey, everybody, what is going on? Welcome to episode number 121 of the Private Labeler Show. Thanks for stopping by. You guys are awesome. Don't ever forget it. Thanks for all the love and the support the podcast has been getting. Can't do it without you. In today's episode, guys, I got a fantastic one in store for you today. I know you're absolutely going to love it. This one's really going to be uh, beneficial for you. Uh, in today's episode, I'm joined by the one and only Karen Thaxon from marketingwords.com where we're going to be diving in deep and talking about tips and strategies to creating great product listings that convert and drive sales. So if you got that great product that you worked hard on, you, you spent all the time and the money to get it created for your customers and you know they're going to love it, well, you need a great listing to match, okay? So if you're not familiar with Karen, she actually works with Amazon sellers like us to help us create those fantastic product listings and her company, her website, marketingwords.com, they actually have a lot of done-for-you services as well as training material and video series guides to help us understand sales copy and which words to use and how everything kind of flows together. So that way we can, again, put forward the best product listings possible. And I've actually used their done-for-you services before in the past. Um, Fantastic results. I highly recommend it. Now, in a second, I'm going to get to the discussion that I had with Karen, where we dive into detail about things like creating great customer avatars, how to write great, write great titles and bullets, talk about keywords. We talk about uh, enhanced brand content. We really dive in deep on a lot of these uh, subjects. And uh, again, I think you guys are going to find tons of value in it. So by the end of this podcast, you should understand how to craft a great listing that converts, which means more money in for your bottom line, for your pocket, for your bank account, whatever. And, um, Karen was gracious enough to provide us an exclusive listener discount on her amazing Amazon product description bootcamp video series, okay? So you're definitely going to want to check this out. She's offering you guys a 20% off discount today on that product and training. So just go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash copy. That's privatelabelershow.com forward slash copy, like C-O-P-Y. And all you got to do, once you go to that link, just use the code BOOT20, BOOT20. That's B-O-O-T-20. So if you're driving right now and you can't get to that, you can't check it out, don't worry. All links, show notes, and all that stuff will be thrown into privatelabelershow.com forward slash 121. We'll have a breakdown of this episode and any links mentioned or anything that we're talking about will be in there. So again, that's privatelabelershow.com forward slash 121. And as always, stick around after the discussion where I'm going to give you a quick recap of everything that we talk about and kind of break it down and kind of give you my thoughts on things. So enough of that. Let's just dive right into this amazing conversation. Hey, everybody. Please welcome Karen Thaxton to the show. Thanks for joining us today, Karen. Hey, how are you? It's great to be here. Glad to have you. Uh, for all the, the listeners out there that may not know who you are, could you do the little uh, dance in uh, 401 there to tell us a little bit about how awesome you are and uh, kind of what you're all about and kind <laughs> of uh, what you've been up to? Yep, you got it. Uh, my company is Marketing Words, and Marketing Words is a copywriting agency that I founded way back in 1999. So uh, this year is our 20th anniversary, and we're pretty excited about that. And we write all types of different online copy, like landing pages, web pages, opt-in pages, blog posts, and of course, lots and lots of Amazon listings, eBay listings, and what have you. Uh, so we'd love to have your visitors come over to marketingwords.com and especially check out the blog over there. There's tons of useful information with actionable content that you can use to improve or create your own Amazon listings. Excellent. Yeah, I was actually uh, checking out your, your blog the other day, um, as a matter of fact, and I do recommend it. Very, very good. Great content Thanks. over there. And congratulations on the 20 years. That's awesome. Thanks. So working hard, helping uh, a lot of Amazon sellers are talking about that as well. So uh, that's what we're going to kind of do here today is help those Amazon sellers 
with their listings so that they can hopefully convert and sell more stuff. Like that's kind of the, the basic idea there. So we're going to dive into a few fun topics here today. And, and I know in listening to you in the past, Karen, you are uh, obviously pretty in tune with what's going on with Amazon in terms of like the algorithm and the, the listings and rankings and all that different stuff, because it does change from time to time as Amazon kind of decides to go different directions on all things related to their algorithm. But kind of what are you, what are you seeing lately in the world of, of their algorithm, you know, kind of what they're favoring or anything that you're picking up that maybe you could kind of just throw out there to the audience? So far, the last little while, I haven't seen any drastic changes, but I am still seeing some things that sellers are not doing correctly or maybe could do better that have changed previously, like understanding uh, that your keyword section needs to be updated, the search terms. You would be surprised at how many folks we get questions about on what they need to do with that because they got a notification when it, you know, what has it been two years now that Amazon changed from the 5,000 characters to the uh, 250 and then they got rid of fields two through five and everything got stuck into one field even though it was still 250. There are people that have not yet gone in and checked what Amazon did automatically with their search terms and they really should because <laughs> Amazon did not go in and do these for you manually. It was an automated process. So if you have older listings that haven't been doing very well over the least, you know, the last little while and you can't figure out why, go in and check the search terms and see if Amazon's automated system if they changed those for you originally, if it did a good job, if you need to make some tweaks there, because going from 5,000 characters to 250 characters and trusting that to an Amazon robot is a little bit scary. But there are still tons of sellers that haven't gone back and checked that yet. So uh, I would recommend that you do that. That's yeah, that was a long time ago. So I'm surprised that you're mm -hmm. still getting people that are kind of surprised by that and like, you know, wow or whatever. You know, yes, and I think they've just forgotten about those older listings. Maybe they're, you know, commodities that sell all the time pretty well and they've they've begun to dwindle over the last year or two and they can't figure out why. I would check that first. There are lots of people that have gone in and pulled it up and said, Yep, there's two hundred and fifty characters in that field, I'm good to go. But they never investigated which terms Amazon kept and which ones they threw out. So maybe worth another look. And as you mentioned, they probably didn't do a good job at it, but Amazon, you know, as far as like whatever they're leaving you with. So chances are a lot of that stuff is probably de indexed and they're not ranking properly and that's why sales might be suffering. So Yep, could be. Okay. Excellent. So Check those search term fields, everybody, older listings. Um, what I want to do is I actually kind of want to dive into talking about customer avatars and you know how important that process is. And I would probably throw it out there that the vast majority of sellers aren't, aren't really thinking about their business or their products or their listings um, in terms of you know setting a customer avatar, figuring that out before they really start creating that listing and and all those things related. And I think if you take a step back and really think about who you're selling your product to, and and really really think about that and sketch that out and do some research, that can help you become way more impactful with how you craft that listing, how you talk to that specific customer. So. Um, that's kind of what I want to talk about. So do you have anything to add on that as far as like how do sellers go about doing that and why should they be thinking about creating that, that customer avatar? We could sit here and do the rest of the podcast on this topic. It is something that I ramble on about all the time. And when you mentioned, when you were contacting me with your invitation to be here, something about, can we talk about this? Yes, <laughs> we absolutely can talk about this. It's easier to do this if you are a seller who has a brand or you're developing a brand or at least you're selling the majority of your products in the same category or categories. If not, if you are doing arbitrage sales, that's phenomenal too. You know, you're making your money that way. But what happens is you end up repeating this process from scratch over and over because if you find some, I don't know, cute little notepad and pen sets at a liquidation outlet, 
that's going to be one customer avatar. If then you decide because you found a great deal online that you're going to sell some professional grade box shredders for the kitchen, uh, you know, that's going in a completely opposite direction. I would still suggest that you at least do a mini version of these, even if you're selling arbitrage and it's you're all over the place in all the different categories. If you're, you are a seller who has a brand now or you're developing a brand, you want to stop whatever you're doing and begin to work on your customer avatar, your target audience profile, your customer persona. There's about six or eight different names for these, whatever you want to call it to get to know your target customers and the segments within your target customers. That's what you want to pay attention to. And here's why. All right, Nick, you and I have exchanged two or three emails and we have been speaking with each other now for maybe 10 minutes or so. Can you buy me a birthday card? Um, I'd probably do a really bad job at it maybe, but I, <laughs> I, I, I could do it. Yes, and that is sort of a trick question. Anybody could buy anybody a birthday card, but you're absolutely right. You might pick up one that is funny, but maybe my sense of humor and yours don't match. So when I get it and I open it, I'm going to go, hmm, okay, ha ha. And, you know, there we go. Maybe you would think with the limited information that I would be somebody who likes sentimental gushy cards and you get one with this long verse on it but that's not really my style either so whatever card you get even if it's just a plain generic one you will have accomplished the goal just like when you're writing copy if you pay no attention to your target customers whatsoever you can still write the copy and you can probably still accomplish some of your sales goals some of your ranking goals but just like a generic birthday card isn't, it, I will appreciate it, but it's not going to connect with me. Right. Two months from now, I'm not going to remember that card. And it's the same with your copy. If you're not connecting with human beings and you're all focused on getting those keywords in and putting them in the order they need to be and things of that nature, yes, you're going to get halfway there, three quarters of the way there, but you're not going to knock it out of the ballpark. Gathering as much information as you can about your overall target audience and then developing customer avatars for each of the segments within that overall audience is the way to be able to make that personalized connection because you will know why they want the product what the problems are that led them to look for your product, how they're going to use the product, what end results they're looking for, the obvious ones and the not so obvious ones. And all of that allows you to write on a much more personal level that people's eyes will just light up and say, oh, yeah, I need that. You want to take into consideration all the basics gender, income, hobbies, lifestyle, um, the graphics, as I call them, geographics, demographics, psychographics, the behavioral aspect. And then also vitally important is lifestyle situations. Where are they in their life? How are they actually using these products? And I don't mean if you're selling a chef's knife, you can use it to chop vegetables and meat and this and that and the other thing, make fruit salad and blah, blah, blah. Those are uses. But in their life, what are they going for? Why do they want this knife so badly? Why would they pay $95 for a chef's knife when they could go to Walmart and get one for 12? All of these things come into play when, I'll give you a good example of this one. And you jump in, Nick. I told you I could talk about this forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just listening and learning like everybody else. <laughs> okay. But my brother-in-law is a great example. He is a phenomenal cook and would love to, at some point, possibly become a chef. Uh, that's not going to be his primary source of income, but he because he's got a day job and he loves it. But he loves the professional grade kitchen gear. 
And the reason he's going to pay that is because he wants to build up his kitchen to be one that is very similar to a chef. He doesn't want a $12 knife from Walmart that the handle is going to start to wobble on. And that makes him feel like he's just some subpar cook. One of the best things you can do for him is to compliment him on his cooking. He just lights up like nobody's business. And all of this professional gear that he's spending this money on is to help him pursue that passion and that love. So yes, the basics of the product have to be there. What it's made of, the type of metal, the type of handle, um, you know, it's perfectly balanced and this, that, and the other thing, and all those have to be in there. But you can't ignore the passion. How many compliments he's going to get from the meals he'll prepare with this knife and how his family is going to come home and ask comments like, what's for dinner? Are you cooking or do I have to cook? You, you know, I'm a, I'm a terrible cook and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit it, but I do have my, my best friend's wife. She is the most phenomenal cook on the planet. She's <laughs> amazing. And I know <laughs> that what you're saying there is true when somebody really takes it cooking as a passion they're so concerned with what how everybody is feeling about the food and the compliments they're receiving and it's a big deal to them so yes. that you know that's the type of customer that would buy that $95 knife or what what have you and maybe yep. instead of the $12 one at Walmart so i'm totally totally feeling this right now yep and i'm the $12 one at Walmart i can make you something to eat and it will taste pretty good and it will fill up your stomach. But nobody has ever eaten at my house and gone, wow, give me that recipe. That's just not the kind of cook I am. I don't have the passion. You know, it, it's, it's a chore for me. It's a hobby and a delight for people like my brother-in-law. Gotcha. Yeah, totally. Yep. So big difference. You're not going to get me to pay $95 for a chef knife, regardless of what you put in that copy, because it's not my thing. I don't fall into your customer avatar. But until you know who does, and what words are going to not only attract them, but engage and persuade them, then you could still be at a point to where you're writing to people like me and wondering why nobody's buying. Yeah, because it's just not going to happen. People like you and I are probably just thinking, what is it made of? Does it look decent? You know, we're not thinking on the level of like, how are people going to feel after they eat my dish or what have you? So um, I like where, where, where do people get these words though? Like where do they even begin to do this type of research to find out these, these words that are going to connect with that specific person, if that's the type of item that we're selling? Well, well. Aren't you intuitive? <laughs> I was just getting ready to go there. Nice. Um, you can do a whole lot of research to find out information about your target customers. And some things that I request that people do is to look at where they're spending their time. Uh, shops. Online would be great because in a minute I'll tell you there's additional ways to get information if these people are shopping online. Um, what media they're watching, magazines, TV shows, websites they visit, blah, blah, blah. What's important to them, their motivation and their concerns. And you can get that information in a whole lot of different ways. One easy way, if you have your own brand and your own website, and I am in the school that you should absolutely have your own website, even if you are selling the majority of your stuff on Amazon, that's a whole different podcast, but you really do need to have your own website. You can set up a survey. You're collecting the email information from people on your website, you've set up a way to do that. So you can contact people directly. There are lots of websites like surveymonkey.com and a ton of others where you can do a free survey and you send out a link. You could do it on social media too, but you would just need to really drill down into who you were trying to reach. 
and format your questions that way. I think most of these services, the free option is 10 questions or less, which is plenty. So you can ask your questions there. You can look in your Facebook or Pinterest insights if you have groups or if you have audiences, those are available to you there. Reading reviews is a phenomenal way to gather information. Not only your competitors' reviews on Amazon, but go to different places online. Go to QVC or Home Shopping Network website or other places that would have similar items. Doesn't have to be this exact $95 chef knife. It can be one that is similar. And look at, watch the videos. On, I like those two shopping sites because you can hear people talking to the hosts. They'll put videos of those segments online. So you can hear that conversation and what people are concerned about and what their motivation for getting whatever the product is. So that's very helpful to do it that way. If you know which magazines or television shows or radio shows or what have you, that people in your audience are in tune to, you can go to those websites. If it's, uh, we'll just say for the sake of example, they like to watch NCIS, which is a CBS show. You can go to CBS's website and look for advertising or marketing or media, and they have what are called media kits. All of this is designed for the sponsors who will purchase advertising on these different magazine, TV, radio websites. When you download that media kit, you will get a bucket load of information about the people who watch these different shows or come to the different websites and whatnot. It is just for people like me who love to dig into the data and, and, and all of this stuff, it's absolute nirvana to go in there. You can also do this if you perhaps have pet products or something like that or any other type of product that could possibly be related to an association like uh, fire extinguishers. Maybe you could go to the Firefighters Association or some you know fire insurance association or something like that. Oftentimes, they will also have media kits or they'll have member kits about the people who frequent their websites. Same deal. Download that and dig through it and see what you can pull out. It's just too much fun when you're looking for clues as to who is in your target audience. And you can also search YouTube um, to find reviews, unboxing videos, the comments below etc cetera, etc cetera. there's tons of different ways to find this information essentially just go to where your audience hangs out and uh dig around there and another thing too is 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 you know not just learning about the demographic or that I've, the customer that you're trying to figure out you know who they are a little bit but how do they talk like what are the words that they're using do they have slang words you know like is there terminology that is different about how, how they're speaking and that way you can connect with them. Cause I know when uh, one of the brands that I have, um, you know, just selling products within this brand over the years, you start to pick up on all these different words that the customers are using. Yes. You know, and, and you're just like, I, you know, early on, I never thought about these products that way or how these people really speak. And I actually started to change some of my listings over the, the actual words in them to kind of mirror what I'm hearing from them, like how they talk. Yes. Because it's not, everything's not cut and dry. You know, there's, there's little slang words for everything or just different phrases and things like that. So it's like if you could, I, I would imagine if you could intertwine some of those when they're copy, that's going to resonate and they're going to go, they're talking to me. You know, this is like somebody that's speaking directly to me that gets me. Exactly, exactly. So as you're digging through all this information, you're taking tons and tons of notes, things that people complain about. If you see two people complaining about something or more, you need to make a note of that. If you find lots of people are, are praising a product because it has this feature or that feature or whatnot, make notes of that. All of that is important. And then when you get the information, let's just say um, I can think of, of one company that sent us their target audience uh, 
Avatar, and they did a phenomenal job. And they were doing uh, beauty products, nail products. And theirs was something like um, a young, trendy city girl, 25 to 35, that loved Pinterest and Facebook and Instagram. And her motivation was to stand out and to get compliments on her nails. So we went through when we got that and we were thinking, what words? What words would resonate with this person? And we had some additional information from the client about this, but not a ton. So as far as standing out, what words would represent being able to stand out in front of people? And we came up with flaunt and uh, show off and dazzle were three because these are, you know, younger people. And then uh, she wanted to get compliments. So phrases like you'll turn heads with blah, 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 or they'll do a double take or something like that, that, that denotes somebody is really drawing attention to themselves and that people are loving what they're doing. And then uh, they wanted to impress their social followers. So Instagram worthy manicures and blow up your Pinterest feed with da 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 and phrases like that all denote that they're going to be a big hit on social media. So you can do that with the generic information, even if you're not able to find a ton of specific words in your research, you can go through with a thesaurus and come up with your own. Okay. Yeah, that's excellent. Um, so yeah, we could probably keep talking about customer avatars for an entire podcast. I, <laughs> I can see where this is going, but um, yeah. <laughs> I want to shift gears slightly now, if that's okay with you. Sure. <laughs> um, so what uh, I want to talk about kind of the anatomy of a listing. So kind of just get mm-hmm. deeply into like titles and maybe bullets and a few other things after that and some other things related. But um, given all this, like, what would you say some of the, the current, like, do's and don'ts of Amazon titles are? And obviously, this has evolved over time. You know, I, I think I remember many years ago, a lot, of, a lot of people might remember this, but Amazon used to allow, like, just a crazy amount of characters in things like titles and into the listings in general. And they looked like a hot mess and sellers were just stuffing keywords everywhere. And it has transitioned to Amazon seems to be, in my opinion, they seem to be, for, at least for a lot of categories right now, they, they kind of want things a little bit shorter, sweet, like sweeter, cleaner, and that's kind of where it's been going the past few years. But uh, what would you say, or like what advice would you give sellers about like do's and don'ts of, of titles currently? You are absolutely correct about the hot mess several years ago, and I worked with someone on the leadership team for almost a year to get consistent title character information throughout Amazon because you would go in one place at a product, for example, and it would say one thing and you would download the style guide and it would say something else. And you would look at Seller Central pages and it would say something else entirely. And then when Amazon came out with the uh, suppression rule, the title suppression rule, was it 20? 15 maybe 2016 mm-hmm. yeah right around there that yeah if you exceed 200 characters that your title would be suppressed but yet in add a product it was still saying you could have 250 characters and in some places it still says in style guides 250 but they recommend 200 so i worked with this guy on the leadership team for over a year about a year uh, to help get some of that all cleaned up and some of it is still out there in bits and pieces, but um, 200 is the absolute maximum that you want to have. And while Amazon technically does not allow special characters, people still put them in. It doesn't seem to impact the listing being indexed or ranked. However, make sure that when you do your your title character count, you remember that in Amazon's system, those special characters count more than face value. I'm pretty sure it's two characters instead of one character. So anything that's not a letter or a number or general punctuation would be considered a special character. 
You do not need hyped up titles. And I agree, Nick, that over the last couple of years, Amazon has done a much better job of weeding out the spammy titles. Some of them are still there. We have gotten questions in our Facebook group and on the blog and whatnot from sellers that are saying, why can't I go in and edit my own titles anymore? And much of the time, if you dig into it, you find out that it's because they had all this garbage in their titles and Amazon said, okay, you want to change the title? From now on, you have to go through us. And then Amazon approves it or they reject it, one of the two. So don't focus on getting extremely hyped up titles. I've never appreciated those. You want to keep it under 200 so that your listing is not suppressed. And you should get a notice, underline the word should, sellers don't always, but you should get a notice if your listing is suppressed. Although in that email, Amazon is not always specific about telling you that it's because the title has exceeded 200 characters. If you've gotten a notice like that and you're still trying to figure it out, have a look at your title and see if that's what it is. Uh, at Marketing Words, we always stop at 190 just to be on the safe side. And that way we don't we haven't had any problems with those as far as special characters kicking it over or whatnot. Aren't, aren't some if, aren't some uh, some style guides or categories weren't they kind of flirting with eighty characters even at one point or even maybe a little longer than that like one hundred twenty or something like that or is or is there like uh, am I just not remembering correctly on that? Um, I. Don't have every style guide memorized. I know there are still places in Seller Central that mention a maximum or let's see, how do they phrase it? They don't say maximum. They say preferred or something like that. Um, 80 characters. There are some categories. I think I want to say baby, possibly jewelry. I've got a chart somewhere. I'd have to find it and pull it up. Right, okay. Um, and then consumer electronics, I want to say, is 150. And there are a couple that have 150 character titles. But if you have it, those would have a hard stop. When you would go in, for some reason, Amazon puts a hard stop in those, and you can't go past the 80 or the 150. But all the other characters, you know, pets and household and kitchen and all the other things, you should be able to go up to 200 without a problem. I don't know why Amazon has said in the past that they prefer 80 characters. And all of that information is, has been in there for years and years. If you look at some of Amazon's own listings, they are way past 80 characters in their titles. It's funny how that works, right? When they try yeah. to have guidelines and yet on their own products, they tend to not follow them a lot of times. Yeah, isn't that special? Yeah. They do the same thing on bullets. Uh, while it's not written in stone hard and fast that bullets are, you know, in a lot of the categories are 100 characters, that's what Add a Product is saying much of the time now. Again, if you look at Amazon's own listings, at least 50% of the time, they far exceed 100 characters per bullet. So, uh, but you, you do need to have that also in your titles. Uh, if you have exclusive or rare features or benefits, I would put that in there. If you have deal breaker information, everybody that's shopping for a particular, I don't know, cell phone case requires that you also have the, the screen protector included or they're just not going to buy anymore, you need to put down that it includes screen protector. Um also, with your keywords in your titles, you want your primary keyword to be in the first 80 characters. It doesn't necessarily have to be the very first thing in, in the front, but it does need to be very close to the front because on mobile, all you get to see most of the time is the title, the reviews, the buy button, and the images, and then you have to scroll down to get the description, and then the bullets fall last on mobile. So that title is extremely special uh, on mobile as well as on desktop. Yeah, and I think most sellers are usually through the lens of like a laptop or a desktop when they're creating all of this. And mm -hmm. obviously, uh, what was I think it's I think it's up to sixty plus percent, if not more, of Amazon sellers start their shopping 
on a mobile device. So right. always taking that into consideration for the copy and everything else associated with the listing and how it's being portrayed. And obviously we know too that Amazon is always, always, always like experimenting with how things show up and yes. formats and all this and that. And that might be a little bit overwhelming to like constantly try to stay ahead of the curve on that because they do it so often sometimes. But I think you need a general rule of thumb that, yeah, you just have to take into consideration and always check like, well, how, how does this look on mobile at least, you know, or a tablet right. even. I agree. And they do do tests all the time. And even though they're testing something, if you notice changes in your category, don't panic and go change all your listings right away because there are tests that Amazon runs that fail. They don't help listings convert better and then they pull all those changes out. So if you're trying to adjust to every little tweak that you see happening, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Right. So you mentioned bullet points um, briefly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now uh, whatever, I'm kind of of the school of like, have them a, a decent length where you're being descriptive enough, but don't overwhelm the customer with just globs and globs and globs of text, you know, like yes. you used to see years ago, because I think that just becomes overwhelming and you have to take into consideration that a lot of customers are scanning and skimming a lot of times. So mm -hmm. you got to catch their attention. If they see masses of amounts of text, they're going to go, that's a turnoff. And, uh, you have to take that into consideration, but you know, obviously you want to have enough meat there where you can talk about all the, all the great things and have all the great copy and the great words that, that we're talking about here. But what, what else, what are some other do's and don'ts of those bullet points that, that uh, you need to kind of talk about here? I am of the same camp. I do not appreciate as a customer or as a copywriter, the extremely long bullets, uh, especially on mobile, you end up with a screen full of just words, which is extremely difficult to read. But the, the very first bullet we will usually, and there are exceptions to everything, but we will usually do the most important feature benefit combination first. If you have a bundle, of course, you legally you should put in the contents of the bundle as the first bullet, but everybody else should be able to do it this way. In order to do that feature benefit combo, you need to know who your customer avatar is. So that loops us back to what we were talking about previously. Typically, we will do an average of about 200 characters per bullet. And again, depending on categories and what the products are and all that stuff, that could change, but on average. And the reason for that is it gives you that, that balance. It's enough space to make a connection and highlight features benefits without being overwhelming. And regardless of the format, whether it's mobile or uh, the the layout where the bullets fall below the image or the layout where the bullets fall to the right side of the image, uh, it gives you three really solid bullets before anybody has to do anything with it. Click for more or scroll down or what have you. If it's a product like, uh, I don't know, shoelaces or paper clips or dental floss or things of that nature, you're certainly not going to need 200 characters to describe that unless you have a revolutionary type of shoelaces that nobody's ever seen before. Yeah, yeah. We have to educate the customer about this first. So, uh, you know, but products like those you could do with much less because they're, they're already well known. As far as keywords go, we walk down the list. The absolute must have number one, gotta have it keyword, key phrase goes in your title, in the front section of your title. If you can fit in with the other information, another phrase or the individual words from the phrase, that's great too. With the bullets, we, we drop down next. So we've used, let's say in the title, we've used the number one keyword, key phrase and the number two key phrase. In each of bullets, one through five, we're going to do number three, number four, number five, number six, and number seven, and just walk them down the list so that those appear in there. And then if you can sprinkle in individual words out of those phrases, great. That just gives it a little bit more of a boost. And I believe Amazon specifically actually said as of a year or two ago that they prefer phrases actually in those listings because, you know, like, uh, uh, I don't know what it used to be in the past if things were like in a broad match sense when that's how they're taking things, but they've kind of transitioned that, that at least for the listing, they, they prefer things in more of like a, like, like a phrase that I don't know if that's going to help 
you know, things better or for their purposes for, for ranking or, or for, you know, keywords, but maybe, right. uh, maybe that's, maybe that's new. I don't remember, but, uh, I think a long time ago it was just like, just have words in there and they'll put it all together. Yeah. And they've, I think in an effort to fine tune their search results page, because people were, you could type in peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you would come up with pocketbooks and stuff. I mean, it was pretty awful a few years ago. And in order to refine that and to get more specific results that customers were happier with, they went to looking at the, what I think they phrase it as the percentage of search match and that's what where that phrase thing is coming from the closer that your the content on your listing matches to exactly what the shopper typed in then the better off you're going to be not you don't have to get so specific that you have all of the different stemming endings so if, it, if you're having something to do with diet you don't have to worry about putting in diet and diets and dieting and dietary and dietitian and all the, you know, people would go nuts with that. Amazon will compensate for that to a point. Um, but if you have different, different keywords like uh, dog, what can I think of off the top of my head? Crunchy dog treats okay. and dog organic treats and things like that. You know, those are, are pretty different types of phrases. So you would need to incorporate that. Gotcha. Okay. And, um, you know, you mentioned when you're talking about the example of the, the 25 to 35 year old girl with the makeup and the Instagram and this and that, you came up with those kind of those catchphrases that, that mm-hmm. they would say or what have you. Um, are there any like generalized ones for sales purposes that you would recommend either cut, uh, sellers have in their listings or even stay away from? So like, I can think of one that would be like, you know, um, you might have in the copy somewhere, probably in your description, maybe, or who knows, but maybe, some, maybe in the last bullet, but like add to cart now, kind of like an, an action command, right? Telling them to take action and, and things like that, that would help hopefully lead to, you know, a few extra conversions or what have you. Do you have any like do's and don'ts of, of those types of like hot button phrases? Um, not so much with that for the bullets. I mean, you can certainly put in, Things like order today for free shipping if your item is over Amazon's minimum limit to get free shipping and and things of that nature might remind people that they would get that and whatnot. I typically don't put a call to action in the bullets. We will add that to the description section. But I can give you some some quick, awesome, uh, let's see, templates to do bullets with like uh if you need to compare if you've gotten a lot of comments in your reviews and whatnot about pricing and and whatnot and you're concerned that people might think your lower priced item is is not as great as some of the others you could do something like uh comparable to high-end brands that cost whatever amount we'll do the chef's knife comparable to high-end brands that cost 95 dollars or more you'll appreciate the and then give a benefit or two. Benefit or two. You'll appreciate the uh, forever sharp blade and custom molded handle, all for under twenty five dollars or whatever your price is. Okay. So that gives a comparison. So comparable to high end brands that cost ninety five dollars or more, you'll appreciate the forever sharp blade and customized handle all for under $25 and then something like um, unlike ordinary or unlike typical which is just a slight diss to the competition so unlike ordinary chef's knives your professional grade stainless steel knife offers blah 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 and you can fill in the benefits there the features there Um, and then you can give a nod to your own product if you use statements like thanks to its advanced whatever the feature is these chef knife chef's knives offer optimal benefit 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 okay i so, like that i like that so that gives you a way to kind of slightly diss the competition lift yours up and then compare between the two 
Okay. That's good. Uh, thanks to the XYZ. And yeah, that's like complimenting your own and pointing out the benefit right away. Yep. That's cool. That's cool. Um, so I guess uh, we're talking all about keywords. And, you know, I, I know a lot of sellers out there, especially if they're newer, they're like, where, where should I find these keywords? Like what tools should I be using? Where should I be scouring to find these keywords, not just for my title and to find the best ones to kind of lace throughout the listing and all, all of sorts. Um, what are some recommended resources you have for, for sellers to, to start digging up these, these keywords, the, the good ones, the ones that they should be using? Currently, we are using, we, we bounce back and forth for different purposes and whatnot, but we are using um, Helium 10, we are using Seller Labs Scope, and we are using Merchant Words. Okay. And we do, some of that is to generate new ideas and to go in and run different types of reports and be able to find key phrases that we wouldn't have thought of or on our own. Others are to verify search volumes and things of that nature. But the, the biggest thing to remember, uh, we, we run into people a lot that have questions about how do you decide I've got a thousand keywords now <laughs> and how do I decide which ones to use and it comes down to a balance between relevancy and search volume you want to have terms that are as relevant as possible while also having the highest search volume possible if you have items that are not very relevant that have an extremely high search volume you may drive traffic to your page but as soon as people take a look, they're going to go, this isn't what I was looking for. And click, there they go. So Amazon registers that as a bounce. And they're tracking that. Every time somebody looks at your page and leaves without doing anything, it's a black mark. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I think sometimes early on, and something I've realized over the years is you may perceive or think something is relevant keyword wise. So you use it. And you, you know, obviously Amazon doesn't give you organic, like data on your listings for like those keywords, whatever you have to pay for that through pay-per-click. So you might notice down the line that, man, you know, that, that phrase that I'm using there, I thought that that would be good, but I'm testing that in my pay-per-click for the past few months and nobody buys from it. And, yeah. and therefore you have to kind of switch it up and try something else because exactly. like you were saying, people are hitting your listing, but they're not buying and Amazon says bad. So yes. Yes. And I've had people that have done this with, you know, they wanted to just shove, especially way back when you could put 5,000 characters worth of search terms in the back end fields. But, uh, you know, they wanted every single solitary type of plastic container to be included, even though theirs was a plastic cereal container. And, you know, they wanted plastic dinner plates included. And I'm like, nobody's going to want to put their dinner in a cereal container. <laughs> I, I probably would. <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, you dump it all in the one little container and close the thing. I'm like, that's just not going to work that way. So uh, they need to be both as much relevancy as possible and then also as much volume as possible. And I will tell you that when you get shoppers who are getting closer to a buying decision, the keywords and the phrases get longer. They're called long tail key phrases. And these may be four words, five words, six words long because they've done the research. They're getting close to making a decision and they've narrowed it down to the ones that, that are the top contenders. So don't only focus on the two and three word phrases that have higher volume. While these long tail phrases can have much less volume, typically they will convert better than the broader phrases yeah, will. There's less, there's less competition on them. And, uh, it's, yeah. it's more like you were saying, speaking to that specific customer. Right. Yeah. And you need both. You just to be clear, you need some of both, but a lot of people will get to the long tail phrases and go, man, you know, this only has like 50 search, you know, search volume of 50 or something. Yeah. But 25 of them are converting. So yeah. Play that game all day long then. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so I want to transition now to enhanced brand content, mm -hmm. which um, I believe, you know, a lot, obviously if you have brand registry, that's what it requires in order to, to get access to this. But, you know, I believe that if you have a brand and you're trying to, you know, build that up, 
should really be effectively trying to utilize this enhanced brand content because I think according to Amazon, it was some years back when they rolled it out, you know, in their testing, they said, you know, depending upon if it's like a higher traffic listing based on their results, there was a, a reasonable increase in conversion rates if you use the enhanced brand content correctly and you're, you know, doing everything right, that just by simply applying it, that uh, they noticed, you know, X amount of percentage bump in, in uh, conversions and sales and things like that based on their testing. So obviously you have some experience with this, Karen, but uh, what, like when you sellers, if they don't know this or what have you, but when you go to start building your enhanced brand content out, I, you know, they give you a lot of templates and it gets a little overwhelming. And I think sometimes sellers don't quite know how to approach which maybe template to use and or how they should really be thinking about using the enhanced brand content. So what they kind of do is they, they might throw their extra images there that they didn't use on their main listing and they're, maybe they're not such great images and they kind of just start filling stuff out kind of just to do it. But um, what, what advice would you have like as far as like a strategy around how to effectively create their enhanced brand content? Well, it is called enhanced brand content and the reason that it's called that is because Amazon wanted to give sellers a place to highlight their brand and this is well now it's almost identical to what vendors used to have years and years ago that nobody else could touch and uh, for those that aren't familiar vendors are the ones that are selling wholesale directly to Amazon and then Amazon sells their products but the vendors also had an option to sell on Amazon as well and they were the ones that could add the pictures and the videos and the charts and all this other stuff when uh, FBA sellers brands brand registry sellers got the option to do this Amazon specifically stated that this was a place to share your brand story now it shouldn't all be about your brand story because shoppers are selfish and they want what they want and then after they figure out that you have what they want then maybe they're interested in finding out a little bit more about you so solve their need first in that mandatory top section regardless of the template you choose there's uh, a mandatory image up top and then the section that goes below it and I would use that to quickly, I wouldn't go on and on about it, but quickly connect with your audience using a lot of the information from your target customer avatar and highlight those needs, those wants. Why are you here? You know, what are you looking for in this product? And once you've connected with them, you know, going back to our chef's knife example that we've been using a lot during this podcast, you could talk about wanting to build out your kitchen with the goal of becoming the best chef in your neighborhood or the best chef in your family or you know taking it from so-so meals that nobody was really excited about to your family coming home with their eyes lit up asking what's for dinner tonight you know that type of thing then work your way into the specific features and benefits with your most unique first so if your product is uh, a chef's knife that has Japanese steel I believe I remember from us writing lots and lots of these that the Japanese steel is what's preferred right now it has specific qualities and whatnot you'll want that to be there first instead of just ordinary stainless steel or some other composite metal next why your product go deeper into why this customer should choose this product over all the other products on the same level you're never going to be able to get somebody uh, who wants a $12 knife just to get by with to pay 95 and vice versa if they if they're a pro at heart and they're a pro wannabe and they really want that quality knife you're not going to talk them into paying 12 bucks so pay attention to your customers when you're doing that if comparison charts are applicable to what you're doing and they're not always especially if you have multiple products that are similar different styles of knives and whatnot add that in it will greatly cut down on confusion and help people to quickly make a confident buying decision 
Confused shoppers rarely buy. So clarity in everything you're writing is key. I am not somebody that recommends going in for the cutesy and the clever taglines and all this stuff. If customers have to sit there and read it two or three times to try to figure out what you're trying to say, you've messed up and they're leaving. And then at the bottom, your calls to action come in. Uh, whether you use a template that has three little boxes across the bottom and you can do, you know, one, two, three, bam, bam, bam. Or if you put it in one of the, the other larger boxes, you know, even if you create a custom template, you could work that out yourself. But then you get those calls to action where they can add to cart now. Uh, they can be, you know, order today and you can begin cranking out gourmet dinners this week or you know, something to that effect that will encourage them and relate to their ultimate goal. Right. Then you've got a complete page that talks about your story and uh, briefly gets that in, you know, why your product, why your brand, and then has all of the comparison information they need and wraps it up with a call to action. Okay. Excellent. Excellent information there. Um, anything else to add on enhanced brand content or be pretty much kind of just cover it there um we well just like the other stuff we could talk about this for days oh, I, but i think that's a pretty good overview <laughs> yeah so so the question might be then because you know if you're using enhanced brand content that covers up your, your like your general description your product description right um mm -hmm. so should sellers still write that product description knowing that customers aren't going to see it once enhanced brand content is active we do I haven't checked recently, but Amazon still used to use the uh, standard description as a ranking factor. So, and that, I mean, you could go in and see that that was being indexed. So I, we still provide that if we write listings for customers. We don't always include everything in the EBC content because it can be too long. You still have that 2000 character limit in the standard description. So we, we do a junior version of the EBC description and put that into the standard field. Okay, great, great. Because I know sometimes people would have questions about that, like, oh, do I need to write the description or what have you? So you say do it because, yeah, I know it does index most of it, I believe, as far as keywords in there will index still, um, unless that's changed. Yeah, and it well, and it with the description, it changes a lot. Yeah, I mean, in certain categories, this month it will, and six months from now it won't. And it just—I don't know. I think Amazon hasn't made up their mind about that yet. Yeah, last I checked for for my stuff, everything in the description, virtually everything was was indexing, but I haven't checked in a while. So, like you said, you know, <laughs> who knows? But um, all right, so I'll tell you what. Want to kind of start to wrap this up like what do you have any other final tips or advice to somebody that is trying to craft the best listing possible stuff that we didn't cover anything else that you might just want to throw out there any little other ideas that we that we might have glossed over everything is about balance from your title to your keyword research to your bullets and your description and your customer avatar and and everything else it's a balancing act if you lean too heavy toward only pleasing Amazon and getting keywords in and doing all the technical things that need to be done, you will tend to ignore the customer. And here's the cool thing about customers. Amazon's never going to whip out its credit card and buy a darn thing from you. They may reimburse you if they destroy your inventory, but the only way you're going to reach your goals is if you get human beings to pull out a credit card. Well, they probably got it stored in Amazon, but if you get a human being to click that add to cart button and finish the purchase. So you can't ignore them. Whenever you write everything, you should be thinking, if I were the customer, would I buy this? Would this meet my needs? And I absolutely encourage everyone to shop for every single thing you buy on Amazon as a customer. Even if you know for a fact you're going to drive five miles down the road and buy it from a local store, go through the process of looking on Amazon anyway. It's a huge eye-opener because you will see where the gaps are. I had the hardest time finding a bread pan to bake bread in months and months ago. Couldn't find the one that I wanted. Every search term wasn't bringing up what I needed and that can give you clues on products to add to your collection, to your inventory as well. But 
as often as possible, shop for your own products that you're looking for uh, on Amazon with your customer's hat on because it'll it'll really be eye-opening for you. And keep that balance, balance between keywords and content, balance between audience and Amazon. Everything has to, to go right down the middle. Okay. Yeah, that's great advice about shopping as a customer, but kind of using that information to help your business and your products and yes. your listings. And I, yes. I, I, I buy a ton of stuff on Amazon. I know like a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I'm always ordering stuff, but I just think because I'm in this business, I, I tend to pay attention to a lot of things in terms of like, why did I buy that random item that I needed? You know, what right. was it? So I'm always kind yes. of making mental notes. And then sometimes it doesn't always translate into things I, I put in, into my listings or business, but it, sometimes it does and it does help. So very good information there. Um, Karen, this has been amazing. Such great information. <laughs> I, I uh, really appreciate everything. I know the audience does as well. But uh, where you, you mentioned marketingwords.com, is that where people can find you? Like where, where should people find you online for further services and, and insight? We mentioned the blog and is that where they should go? Yep, marketingwords.com. We can leave some specific links to, uh, con for convenience sake in your show notes. Um, but yes, the blog, there are other pages that, that I'll highlight uh, that don't have they have really long, ugly links, so we'll leave those in the show notes. And then drop by the the Marketing Words page on Facebook, facebook.com slash marketingwords. Uh, I'm on Facebook a lot and certainly can answer questions over there for you as well as, as on the blog. Uh, happy to have you around. Thanks so much for asking me, Nick. I appreciate it. Oh, well, glad again to have you again. Thank you so much for all the valuable content and information provided us. And again, as Karen mentioned, everybody, I will leave everything in the show notes so don't, if you're driving right now or you're in the gym or what have you don't worry about remembering any of this stuff <laughs> i'll give you the information of where you can find out uh, all the stuff that we talked about so that way you can just use the links as needed and again uh, check out marketingwords.com everybody but uh, thank you so much karen appreciate it thanks nick you have a great day Okay, welcome back everybody, that was awesome. Now I'm just gonna give you a few key takeaways that I had from that conversation with Karen. There, again, there was so much great information, this could be super long, but I'm just gonna keep it to three. And thanks again, Karen, uh, you gave us a lot to think about, a lot of fantastic bits of information that we can implement into our businesses and into our product listings. So the first thing that really stuck out with me was um, the, just the amount of depth that we should be going into when creating our customer avatars. So before you even begin to write your listing, you need to spend a lot of time on this. So don't do this in the matter of a minute or two. Karen suggested really going deep. So again, we're not just trying to find out basic bio information. We're trying to find out things like, you know, what's important to this customer, uh, who they really are, what results are they trying to achieve? How do they talk? What's the language? What's the lingo that they use? What resonates with them? So she gave the example of, uh, I believe, Kind of the, the 25 to 35 year old female uh, for the, what was it, the, the makeup line or the beauty line. And, you know, they even figured out for that type of customer, again, what were the phrases that they're using? What, what, what words would jump out at them? What phrases are they constantly saying in their real life or actual life that would get them to resonate with that product and the listing? And um, just as far as research, you know, you can visit the websites to where these types of customers would already be at just for some basic uh, ideas. Uh, look for media kits. She, uh, she suggested that so you can search those. Also to possibly go to QVC on television to do some customer research, some great information being thrown around on QVC. And it's um, anywhere else that that type of customer would be hanging out online. So if that's Instagram or if that's YouTube or whatever, just dive into those comment sections. See how people are talking to each other. What are they saying? What's the lingo like? That way you can kind of learn as you sketch out your full bio of who this customer really is. Uh, the next thing I wanted to bring up was uh, just kind of something subtle here. Karen suggested in our bullet points to make sure that we have some long tail keywords winded or interwoven uh, in our bullet points there. So that way um, there's lower competition amongst those keywords and they're a little bit more likely to convert because they're going to be more descriptive for our product, okay, instead of just being real broad in general. And then lastly, uh, she really drove it home here. She said clarity is key. 
So when you're crafting your listing, you have to make things clear and concise. So that way, when that customer is brow or potential customer is browsing your listing amongst other listings, um, they know exactly what you're selling, what you're offering, what are the benefits that they're going to receive? What are the results they're going to receive? And, um, you know, she stated that if the customer's confused, they're generally not going to buy from you. So, uh, a confused mind is not a buying mind in sales. So if they're confused about anything, then there's a likelihood, yeah, that they're just going to, you know, exit out of your listing or go to somebody else's. Okay. So you really need to be clear and concise with the offer, with your listing and every word that you're using. So that way there is no confusion. So those were kind of my key takeaways and key points. What were yours? Curious to know. Um, also again, guys, just a, just a reminder, make sure you check out Karen's awesome Amazon product description bootcamp video series that I mentioned at the top of the podcast. Again, she's offering you guys 20% off of that here today on that product and training. Just go to privatelabelershow.com forward slash copy and use code boot 20 to take advantage of that. So do that right now. And as mentioned again, for all links and everything that we talked about, visit the show notes over at privatelabelershow.com forward slash 121. So that about does it for today's episode, everybody. I will talk to you in the next one later. This episode of the Private Labeler Show has ended. Please show your support for the podcast by subscribing for more business strategies and tactics to help you build your empire. Also, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. See you in the next episode.